It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall, and it is an Articles of News episode. Hold, hold, hold your horses! Uh, it is not Brother Kyle today. We are introducing a new panelist, uh, and her name is McKenna Jensen. Now, I don't know if you know this, McKenna, but your yeah. name sounds a lot like the name McKenna Denson, which, if you listen to Articles of News. Uh, she's the woman who was suing the church, and they're still trying to work all of that out. So that's not who this person is. This is McKenna <laughs> Jensen. Welcome to the back row. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, Jensen with a J. So yeah. the last time when, when I listened to your um, your your episode about that whole thing with the Provo MTC guy, right? Uh-huh. Like, I, I remember I was like way shocked. I was like, did they say my name? Yeah. I was like... <laughs> You're like I don't rem- I don't remember any of this happening. I'm apparently I suing the church. The MTC. It was fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have to close. And you mentioned the MTC. Tell people a little bit about what you've been doing the last little while. Yeah, sure. Well, I just returned from a full-time mission. Uh, I served in the Texas San Antonio mission, um, and like I got back like about three months ago, mm-hmm. so I'm still kind of fresh off the boat, you know. Um, but yeah, it was great. Actually, my mission's totally split now, which is weird. Yeah, we talked about that in a previous episode where San Antonio got kind of divided and now there's an Austin mission, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, which is really cool. And honestly, it was kind of a long time coming because like it kind of seemed like the things going on in Austin were like, I don't know, like the maybe mission president wasn't as aware. (laughs) Oh, really? Really? So I think it was overdue because it was a lot of missionaries to look after, you know. How many? Oh, boy, I think we had 200 something. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So it was big. And and it went from like Austin, kind of North Austin a little bit. And it went all the way down to like the border with like this Eagle Pass area. If anyone, anyone of y'all listening or Texans, mm-hmm. y'all would know. But um, so it was a big mission. So a split was pretty long overdue. And you mentioned you've been back for three months. So what's uh, what, where are you from and what's kind of the plan? Man, what's the plan? Well, I'm actually, uh, I'm from Boise, Idaho. Okay. And I went to, so I kind of went on my mission, I guess, like later than than normal, right? So I, I went to college first, actually. I studied theater at the University of Utah. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, which was great. And then after that, I was kind of like in limbo and I really had that, you know, revelation, that feeling I should serve a mission. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I and no, uh, thank you. No, I'll pass. Hard pass. Yeah, thank Hard. You, yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you, next. <laughs> thank you, next. But um, the Lord had different plans. So I went on, went on the mission. It was amazing. Loved it. Incredible. Um, so came back and I was like, well, I may as well just move back to Utah because I, I know a lot of people in Utah, a lot of people in theater and things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, a, a world pandemic happened. Yeah. And theater doesn't really exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do. I, I got a major in a thing that no longer exists at least, exactly. at least for the time being. So, so, so is the hope to make the big trek to uh, one of the coasts and be the star of film or stage or what, what, what's kind of end game for you as far as that goes? I would love to make the trek out to the big apple or, you know, the East coast. I, I, I really would love to do that right now. I'm kind of deciding. I'm like, cause the thought of like grad school, going to grad school on the East Coast somewhere sounds really interesting, getting a master's degree. So um, I'm still kind of flirting with that idea. But So give people an idea of the kind of theater that you enjoy. Let's go maybe uh, 
a favorite show that you've ever seen or like a dream role that you've always wanted to be cast in something like that oh man so many okay so like <laughs> favorite show so my favorite like show of all time just like more of a broadly useful kind of thing no one's ever heard of mm -hmm. it's it's called sunday in the park with george of course oh come on oh you know it of oh, course great okay good 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 yeah yes sunday in the park with george right so and it. i'm trying to think there was somebody who is super is it jake gyllenhaal who recently played in sunday in the park yes. with george yeah yeah the broadway revival. don't bring your don't bring your amateur knowledge to me mckenna <laughs> like i won't like i won't know what you're talking about cool you know, you yeah. talk to the average show, and they're like, "What's that?" And yeah. It's like, it's saw time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like the painting is that is that called Sunday in the Park with George? It's like, okay, forget it. Yeah, we're okay, done. Okay, we're done. Oh, <laughs> Finishing that. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so interesting. Born and raised in Idaho. Actually, I was born in. I was actually born in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Okay. Um, I was adopted when I was a baby. Okay. And. My family, we lived in Reno for like a few years till I was like two. Then we moved up to North Idaho, Post Falls area, kind of by Spokane, Washington, if mm -hmm. anyone knows where that is. We were there for a while. And then when I was about like, let's say I was going into the fourth grade, we moved to Boise, Idaho. And then my family's been there ever since. So, so uh, in a question that I hope is not too personal, have you done the thing yet as an adopted individual where you're like, I maybe should meet my parents and, and try and have that reuniting? Or is that not interest you? Right, like rant a lot, this is us, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, honestly, for me personally, um, I don't really have a huge desire to discover, I guess, like discover my birth parents or uh -huh. anything, you know? I mean, well, I, and not to mock that because there are some people who definitely have that sure. desire really strong with them. And that's awesome. But just for me personally, it's not really something that is a huge priority for me. But. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always wondered that. Like, I've always wondered uh, with the within being adopted, and there are certain scenarios that I kind of play out in my head. Like, would I be the one that makes the cross-world trek that I've donated blood, and then the DNA thing comes in, and I, you know, whatever. Or, right. like, similarly, like, do I have a twin or a brother or a sister somewhere? Like, I, I often just find myself being like, huh. I wonder yeah, you go to like a summer camp and you meet your, your long lost twin. Yes. And then we play a trick on our parents and I go back and meet my mom and she goes back and meets the dad. And That's... then your dad's getting married to like this really, really like hot blonde. You yeah. know, and you're like, yes. Oh. <laughs> yes. We should write a movie if there's not. Oh, oh, there's already a couple with this story. Shoot. Hey, we digress. Oh, man. So let me so let me ask you this question. Uh, I, I sort of uh, was recommended to you by a mutual friend. Uh, the wilds down in Texas. They said, you got to meet this, you got to meet this uh, McKenna. You got to talk to her, have her do something with the cultural hall. And then I made the ask, what, what was it about what we do or about uh, this whole thing that made you go? Yeah, I'll give that, a, I'll give that a roll. Man, I just love, well, for one thing I love, I, I just really enjoy talking about the church. I love talking. I mean, obviously, you know, like I was a, missionary right so obviously you know you talk about that the doctrine and everything but something that really fascinates me is how um how do we as people like respond to that doctrine what what are the little kind of quirks in our culture mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. that make us kind of those distinct lat latter-day saints right what what is it how do we see the world through our lens of latter-day saints so and that was something that to me the cultural hall always talked about and analyzed so i was yeah. like that sounds great Cool. 
Well, we're grateful to have you. Uh, a couple of things, and then we'll take a break, and we'll go into the actual articles of news. Um, coming up in the third block of the articles of news today, should let you know we've got our friend Kurt Frankum, uh, because there was a uh, declaration, changes to the handbook that were made. I didn't feel like reading them, so we invited Kurt Frankum in. He is going to tell us about all the changes and what we can anticipate. That's coming up in the third block. Also, uh, if you've seen the petition online to try and make BYU the more pure, the let's return it back to its better state. I was able to talk to one of the authors of that petition, and we'll put that in at the end of the second block, uh, coming back when we do actual articles of news. The last little piece of business that I should tell everyone is, for the last little while, and I actually don't know how long, I have told you you can email us, contact at theculturalhall.com. Well, we're doing a rebuild on the website, and yesterday I tried emailing contact at theculturalhall.com and using the Contact Us tab uh, at our website, and neither of those emails went through. So I don't know how long that hasn't been working for, but if you have emailed the show and tried to get in contact with us and you've been like, well, that, that guy's a jerk. He asks for emails and he never gets back in touch. Know that I never got it and that I'm sorry, but the, the exciting announcement is, of course, that we are getting a website rebuild. You want to help fund that? You can go to patreon.com slash theculturalhall and you can pledge anywhere from 3 to $10 a month. That will help to pay for that uh, website update. So do that, patreon.com slash theculturalhall. There's a link to it in the notes. Let's take a break and come back and do actual articles of news. Consumer alert! Consumer alert! Dan the Laptop Man here from PC Laptops. There's an extremely insane computer infection called Zeus Zbot infecting hundreds of thousands of computers across the world. This infection is super malicious because it puts you in danger by recording every keystroke you make into your computer, stealing your confidential information, including your banking passwords. You could be infected and never know until you have all your money sucked out of your bank account. At PC Laptops, we can help. If you think you've been infected or just want to be safe, please bring in your PC no matter what brand it is into any one of our locations right now and we'll scan it for free. Why are we doing this for free? Because we want to impress you so much that if you or any of your friends need a computer, service, or phone repair, you come to PC Laptops first. Get into any one of our locations right now or check us out at PCLaptops.com. PC Laptops, where computers start at $7.99. PC Laptops, we love you. Here in the second block of uh, the Articles of News episode, we'll do some actual articles of news right after I tell you uh, if you are on Pinterest, you are going to want to follow the Cultural Hall on Pinterest. We've got someone new in charge. She's going to be helping out Carly. Uh, her name is Crystal, and she's excited. She loves the pins. So if you love Pinterest, find the Cultural Hall. You're going to see a lot of action coming up with that. Let's do some news. Hit it, Peter. You can't lose articles of news. And away we go. Just a couple quick things, uh, McKenna, as we get started. Do you know who Wilfred Brimley is? No. Okay. Woodruff, have you <laughs> different Wilford? Close. Okay. Uh, okay. Al almost as old as each other. Wilford right. Brimley. Um, have you ever seen the movie Cocoon? No. Okay. Have you ever? Let me think of other things that uh, you might recognize him from. Have you ever seen the uh, the old church film by Richard Dutcher called Brigham City? No. Okay. I've never heard of this. That's all right. That's all right. Have you ever eaten Quaker oats before? Yes. Okay. Okay. I knew there would be a connection. Finally, uh, okay. Wilfred Brimley, who is uh, a member of the church, 
uh, died at the age of 85. He was a spokesperson for a long time uh, for the Quaker Oats Company, also star of many, many, many movies. He got into being an actor uh, later in his life, 40-plus, I think. Uh, Also, most commonly known, he used to do a commercial for diabetes. He got the diabetes, and so... There were plenty of fun kind of memes uh, with him as he passed, but, you know, he's certainly missed by his family, etc. Died at the age of 85. It was of old age, not of COVID or anything like that. So um, people are mourning that loss. Also, to go along with that, we can do all of that mourning together. Armand Moss, I believe is how you say the the gentleman's last name, a historian and sociologist uh, associated with the church, was able to navigate that fine line of being able to talk about the church and maybe some of its rough spots, but also being able to be faithful. He passed away as well. Um, And then just another quick story of note, Nylan McBain, who is a previous guest here in the Cultural Hall, uh, she has a brand new book out. Uh, You will see a lot of and hear a lot here in the Cultural Hall uh, during the month of August, celebrating the suffragists, that being the right for women to vote. Um, she wrote a book called Pioneering the Vote, the Untold Story of Suffragists in Utah and the West. You can pick it up. It came out earlier uh, this last week. And uh, Nyland McBain, if you read her original book, real great. It's uh, published by the folks over at Shadow Mountain, and uh, a pretty quick read. Hoping to be able to get Nylon in the cultural hall here in the next coming weeks so that you can enjoy an episode with her. What have you got, McKenna? Well, speaking of women's suffrage, yes, um, yes. so what's interesting is that the, the church history department just released, kind of like, they, they've released these before, but this is kind of the second wave mm-hmm. of um, diaries written by Emmeline B. Wells. She was a Relief Society general president um, back in the day of the old the old pioneer days mm-hmm. um, when Utah was but a territory. Oh, and, just a mere territory. <laughs> it was just a mere territory, you know. <laughs> um, and so Emmeline B. Wells was, uh, she was like a huge proponent of women's suffrage. And that was a really big deal for like women in Utah because a lot of women were living in like polygamous households, right? Mm, yeah. And and like the government was coming in and kind of ruining all of their living situations. And so women's right to vote and getting that right was really, really important to a lot of Latter-day Saint women, which um, I think is so interesting because I think, I don't know, like, you know, when you talk to maybe outsiders of the church, a lot of times they kind of see, unfortunately, Latter-day Saint women as kind of maybe more docile. Yeah, or more submissive. Submissive, yeah. right? Yeah, totally. But I, I think that um, this is fabulous. I mean, Emmeline B. Wells, she was like friends with Susan B. Anthony. Like she, like people, she was someone of note, like in the suffrage world, you know, and she was writer, editor. Um, she wrote for the Women's Exponent, um, which was kind of the, the women's magazine that circulated around Utah at the time, kind of like a Relief Society magazine, right? So, uh, and also... I guess this year, which I didn't know, is like it's the 150th anniversary of Utah women being the first to vote. Yeah. In the, which is so cool. It's a it's a big deal. It's interesting because like you think it's 150 years uh, since the first vote. Then we're also celebrating 100 years since the amendment to the Constitution. But then also, I think just the other day, it it's only been 55 years, I want to say, since like. Uh, since the civil rights movement and, and uh, you know, everything that went with that, 
So right. like this is not this isn't you know it's so far removed from it. I'm you know forty. You're twenty five. Yeah, right. So so it's it's kind of like we we frame these things in the past, and that's just the past, right? Like it just seems like a long time ago. Like we never lived with that. But like my parents were around for civil rights. You know their 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 parents were around for when women received the right to vote in the right. in the amendment to the constitution this is not that far removed and to be able to celebrate it and to know these people like emmeline b wells is is a big deal yeah absolutely so it's really great and i think it's another you know kind of this push the church is doing to give to um kind of unearth these stories that aren't as mainstream in our history yeah. right yeah which is great i love it too um so oftentimes we'll talk about it here in the cultural hall that you can't be what you can't see. And so as, you know, women, uh, as, um, you know, people of color of all of these things, as, 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 as there are opportunities that are extended and people that are in our past whose stories have not been shared, being mm-hmm. able to share those stories and saying, Hey, you know what? You are important. You are valued. Others have gone before you lean on their strength, you know, maybe more than than a lot of other um denominations certainly we feel that link between ourselves and our past whether it's literally in the temple or just you know that figurative kind of connection but we can lean on those that have gone before us to be able to to set the example for it that's a cool story you can read it's her diaries right that they've made available six diaries i think that they that they've released that you can you know go online and just read which is really cool all sorts of uh, fun poetry. And as I understand it, though I haven't read too much about it, sometimes she was a little salty is what I, I read. <laughs> I read I, she had you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had, a, she had a little bit there on the edge. So you should check that out. There will be a link to all of these stories that we'll share uh, at theculturalhall.com with this episode. I thought this was interesting because it's a non-story. Uh, thank you, Deseret News, for this non-story. Talking about... The headline is October 2020 General Conference. Here's what we know. And so I'm like, oh, okay. Here, what, what do we know? What's going on? What's the news? Well, we know that it's going to be October 3rd and 4th. So, <laughs> so, so that's good. That's really great to know. <laughs> we, we know that it's going to be online and that they let us know in a letter about that June 4th, you know, two months right. ago. Right. Uh, as part of this also, they have warned or cautioned or said, hey, please don't come. A lot of people want to come to Utah for a conference time. They use it as a time for um, mission uh, reunions, as a time to be able to go back and visit if they have any relation to the missionaries who taught them. And they live here in Utah to come and visit and then be on um, Temple Square and listen to it. Temple Square is a mess. There is a, a mass pandemic. Don't come to Utah. But again, <laughs> none of that is new. So I don't know why we called this. Here's what we know as if it was some sort of thing. And then it says the conference will be broadcast as usual. Additional details about the conference will be released in the future. So, I mean, it's 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 coming. <laughs> At least you know that. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, That's what they really wanted you to know is that information is pending it we're we're doing it we're not gonna we're not gonna not do it it's just exactly anyway a non-story what else do you have well um i also have a a a grievous story to share okay i'm telling you are you telling me in hushed tones that sounded like you were like i'm using very hushed tones very hushed tones because this really is a tragedy 
Um, <laughs> so in Provo, Utah, there was a shooting and the window of the security box at the MTC lost its life, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, and it's like three or four bullet holes. Nobody was in the booth at the time, right? No, no one. It was yeah. like at two. It was like two thirty in the morning. Yeah, I I don't understand. <laughs> I I don't I don't understand it. Do they know any more details? When I looked at it last, all they knew is there's a like a I think it was a Subaru, right? Yeah, yeah, like some kind of white Subaru, and I, and I was like, okay, well, we're gonna chase a white Subaru down I fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> Any, I guess. Anyone in Utah have a white Subaru? If you know someone, uh, I know that they have um, said that maybe it is the same person who was wandering around um, the Provo Temple grounds, and they Ooh. were able to get some video of that individual. I know they were kind of seeking out that guy, um, but they don't know who that person is or why he would shoot out windows of a security booth. But it's, I mean, it's, it it's not like a twenty two or like a BB gun. It's like a full blown, like you're you're meaning business. You're meaning damage. It's a lot of anger. I'm thinking. Oh yeah, for real. I mean, like you see the picture, and it's like, oh my gosh. I mean, we're in Chirac. Like, yeah. <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> uh, kind of going along with that. Just so long as we're talking about uh, people, you know, doing things mischievously. There's a a, a chapel in Sandy where a guy who can't decide where his allegiance is as far as sports goes, he's wearing an L.A. Dodgers T-shirt and an Atlanta Braves hat, very much in conflict with each other. Yeah, Um, divided, cannot stand. (laughs) He has keys to a bishop's office. He ends up, uh, you know, going in. They've got, there's a camera in there. He he goes into the bishop's office two times and, and the the first time, as I understand it, he just sort of cases the joint. But he's got a key, looks around, doesn't take anything. Comes back two weeks later, comes in, grabs one of those like Bluetooth like boom speakers that the <laughs> bishop happened to have, probably for sharing a lesson or something like that. And that's it. He didn't even get an advanced copy of the handbook. Like, right. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I mean, in the in the video, you don't see him, but you sort of I mean, you see him, but you don't see him rooting through things. It's sort of stationary on the desk and you hear him sort of rooting thing through things. But I mean, lots of questions. Uh, why does this person have a key? The bishop and the stake president said that all keys are accounted for. So you can bet that those keys are going to be changed. But then secondarily, like, you know, I'm sort of of the thought that everybody who lives in the state of Utah is a little bit Mormon. Yeah. You know, right. like even if you've never been and you've never been a member or anything like that, you sort of know about it just because of how conversations exist in, uh, right. you know, friend circles and stuff like that. Like, I feel like, you know, that there's not going to be anything in a bishop's office. It's not like he keeps, you know, it's not like he keeps the tithing, you know, separates a little or anything like that. So I don't know what the compulsion to break in or key into a bishop's office would be unless, you know. And, and daring i'm not sure i don't know he why must he have had it. a copy of the endowment changes I oh oh he's trying to get advanced notice we haven't talked too much about that because they've said mckenna don't let yourself go on that slippery slope Ooh. not to speculate oh that's true but i am not speculating probably. but i am but i am curious oh yeah oh yeah totally it'll be a- they feel like they just barely changed it right and so, oh okay yeah 
Yeah, it'll be it. It will be interesting as we finally learn of it. If it's a thing that will cause shockwaves, mm. or if we'll be like, no, oh, okay, what? That was yeah. That was yeah. a <laughs> that was a whole lot of nothing. Um, this doesn't necessarily have anything to do um with the church, but worth mentioning because actually right before we got on this uh, Zoom call, uh, I was watching a video of a bride in Beirut, Lebanon who was there the other day. She's doing like her first glance video in this gorgeous, stunning wedding dress when the explosion happened. And wow. if, if you haven't seen um, the explosion and the different videos and varying point of views from that massive, massive explosion, uh, I, I guess I would be just quick to say, you know, thoughts and prayers. We do stuff a lot for um, when things happen in the States or with, you know, within our congregations, but man, as a, that is a lot of death and destruction there. And it, I I had seen other videos of the explosion, but this was like in the middle of it. And it was like a visceral gut punch. So ugh. Yeah. anyway, thoughts and prayers and whatever else we can do, obviously. The church will send aid. There are members of the church in Lebanon um, that I'm sure that they're going to cooperate along with the Red Cross and other groups to be able to help those people out. But just an awful situation. Yeah, it's terrible. What do you got? What do I got? What you got? Man, what you got? <laughs> so I also, so um, this is also interesting information. So there's this thing called the 2020 Sunstone Symposium. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure it's held, like, I think it's held back east. Um, no, 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 no. Oh, maybe not. It, it's held <laughs> in Utah at the University of Utah. Typically, my friend Lindsay Hanson Park would be so mad that you don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Where... I had never heard of it until like, I found this story and I was like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, it, it, uh, for people who don't know, Sunstone, um, I don't want to say that it's like fringy. I think it, Sunstone, as I understand it, um, sort of encompasses any kind of Mormon, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and, and I guess that all sort of traces back to the original church, right? So, break off groups, fundamentalist groups, um, people that, consider themselves to be culturally Mormon, but no longer members of the church, people who go to church, but don't believe it. People who are trying to create change from within. Like it's, it is every interesting facet and tacit of Mormonism. Wow. That's fascinating. That's great. I mean, so, okay. Yeah. So this, this 2020 Sunstone Symposium, um, uh, thank you for that great introduction. There's no way I knew that. So <laughs> absolutely no way. But there's this, so there's this guy, he was like a keynote speaker, I suppose. And then his name was Quentin Spencer, and he's a data analyst. And one of the things he was talking about was general conference and kind of like the trends um, of general conference throughout the decades. And the, he said some really interesting things. Um, he, he said, like, for example, the most frequently quoted scripture in general conference-ism, mm-hmm. history or whatever, uh, is actually Moses 139. Uh, my work and my glory, right? Yeah. 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 This, yeah uh, to bring to pass the immortality, right? And eternal life of man. Yeah. Which I was like, oh, okay. Wouldn't have thought that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> totally. And, um, and he kind of talks about, you know, like, how the most cited leaders that, you know, the, those who are speakers, you know, talk about kind of indicates our collective like view of those, of those leaders. Right. So the most cited leaders that um, are spoken of are Joseph Smith. Well, sure. Sure. Yeah. 
totally Brigham Young. Yeah. And then it jumps to Spencer W. Kimball and Gordon B. Hinckley. And those are like the four most cited, um, you know, past, like past yeah. leaders. Yeah. Poor, <laughs> Lo- poor Lorenzo Snow's like, what, what? I didn't say anything that anybody I cares like, about. I guess not. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's all my tithing didn't matter. Uh... <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And interestingly, actually like, I just kind of feel bad, but I mean, like, I guess President Mossad's kind of mentioned the least. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting because so much of what President Monson was known for was not like the, you know, do a little better, try a little harder, like what President Hinckley said. But so much what what President Monson was known for was, I'd like to tell you a story. And, <laughs> exactly. you know, and then he would go into this long story and and it was great and it was inspiring, but it ever it wasn't ever like do this right. thing then this thing it was always just sort of anecdotal so that so that well kind of surprising doesn't surprise me the thing that i think is most interesting about the citations of the prophet is it's like we sort of are within the church right it's like joseph smith yeah 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 brigham young okay yeah he came then there was and there's well and then we had the other people and then there was and then we had spencer w kimball and then we had you know like we just exactly. we just sort of skip over that hundred years of prophets. Right, right. I mean, Howard, yeah, Howard W. Hunter, I guess he existed for like a year. Yeah. Well, like not like nine months. So <laughs> to so to his credit, it was pretty quick. But others, yeah. you know, around for a while. I guess McKay, David O. McKay in there, yeah. but mm-hmm. but not as much. Uh I wanted to, and I didn't see this in the article, um, because we've sort of joked around about it here in the cultural hall about the phrase tender mercies. And about how the phrase tender mercies never existed until uh, Elder Bit Elder Bednar, and how when it becomes Prophet Bednar, that will be all about tender mercies. Like that'll just tender mercies of the Lord. <laughs> yeah, it'll just go up and up and up because now you hear it within the language within each other that we send tender mercies. But before President Bednar or Elder Bednar said that, you never heard tender mercies. Yeah, that's so interesting. And kind of on that line, another thing that he talked about was how recently in recent years like a lot of um, more kind of grace heavy language mm-hmm. is being used by apostles right like talking about the grace of jesus christ the grace of the atonement and um not as much like okay works 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 but a little more grace like from elder Uchtdorf or elder holland you know yeah um, i think they even talked about elder gong yeah grace right so i thought that was that was also very interesting in kind of where we're going yeah we should point out because people may ask is that a sibling of yours that's crying in the background oh gosh can you hear that (laughs) Uh, just just a little bit just in case people are wondering is everything okay oh yeah it's fine it's a little newborn (laughs) ah ah uh it's it, yeah, it's just a fascinating thing. I love those sort of um, very analytical kind of statistical things that sometimes people will get really, really obsessed with. I love listening to stuff like that, and that's exactly what Quentin Spencer did with that, with the look at General yeah. Conference. Like it is yeah. just nerdy of nerdiness. I totally exactly. It's like who pays attention to this stuff? <laughs> Quentin, Quentin Spencer, that's who. <laughs> exactly, and your friends at the cultural hall. Yeah. Uh, how many more stories do you have? Um, I have like a little anecdote. I mean, there's, there's one more story. Yeah. Hit me. Let's do it. Okay. So this was actually really interesting. Um, (laughs) it's, so have you ever heard of the wagon box prophecy? 
The wagon box prophecy? No. So, okay, allegedly in like 1884, Wilford Woodruff, when he was still an apostle, he wasn't president of the church yet. Okay. He went to like Southeast Idaho area, right? So like Idaho Falls and over there. And as the story goes, he was visiting the saints there, got on top of a wagon and talked about how temples would one day dot the region, right? That they would one day, there'd be many temples in this Southeast Idaho area. Okay. Um, yeah, so this is known as the Wagon Box Prophecy. And this guy, Gary Boatwright, who's he's operations manager for Church Historic Sites, mm-hmm. um, he was being interviewed by a guy named Kurt Manwaring, and um, they were talking about this Wagon Box Prophecy. And <laughs> it turns out that, like, it wasn't true. <laughs> like, like, it had been kind of circulated. It was never true. That, like, never happened. And in fact, like that prophecy actually came. This is the thing. It came from a 1940 pageant script celebrating the cornerstone laying for the Idaho Falls Temple. Really? <laughs> yeah. Not. So it, I guess people are talking about this prophecy. It didn't even happen. It, it was Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. I, I I sort of love that though. Have you ever heard the quote? Uh, and this was probably. This was really, really dominant when I was probably in high school, maybe late high school, but where, you know, uh, uh, you're in heaven. And uh, when people ask you, in which time did you live? You say that you lived in the time of President Gordon B. Hinckley and a hush will fall over the crowd as people, you know, give this respect. It's this it's this like just so false, (laughs) false, 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 false claim this. You know, I heard him say this and people would just kind of perpetuate the lie. Yeah. Never was said to the point that the main like like church newsroom or whatever had to be like, hey, we never said this. No one ever said this. We can't document it. So maybe they maybe it was just part of a pageant. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. But I just thought that was so funny. (laughs) A soapbox. I I mean, or I'm uh, state state. What is it? The wagon, bo- the wagon, wagon box, box, wagon box. I was like, stage box doesn't sound right. The wagon box prophecy. Yeah. Uh, we're going to end sort of on this uh, saddest story. Don't forget, we're going to talk with the uh, originator of the petition for BYU to become a more Christ-centered university. And then coming up in the third block, our friend Kurt Franklin will tell us all about the uh, changes to the general handbook of instructions. But uh, I want to finish with a terrible story that I'll just mention quickly and then a much better story from our prophet. So uh, the horrible story as we followed the Daybell case, that's Chad Daybell, Lori Vallow uh, here within uh, the cultural hall. We've had um, Nate from the East Idaho News in here telling us about what the developments are. Uh, They have recently, that is he, Chad, has recently had kind of his day in court. It's like the pre-trial, right? Here is all the evidence against him. Are we going to take this to a full case? And they are starting to give details about the death of Tylee. That's the 17-year-old and JJ, the 7-year-old, how the bodies were found, what condition they were in uh, when they found them there on Chad Daybell's property. It is not for the faint of heart to read. So trigger or adult warning if you click on that link at theculturalhall.com with this episode. It is graphic as he describes and as investigators describe what they found on the property. But there is that update. They are going to move over to a trial. Um, And uh, Lori Vallow's 
day in court is next week. So we'll find out that she also will be going to a trial as well. They are keeping them separate, which I think is kind of interesting, even though they were married and sort of working together. Um, and then this from President uh, Russell M. Nelson. He said, as we are now many months into the COVID-19 pandemic, I thought that I might share some of what I've learned. I have felt great sorrow about this pandemic. I have mourned with families who have lost loved ones. Many have lost jobs. Many have struggled to find adequate food and supplies. Graduation ceremonies, marriages and funerals have been canceled or postponed or altered in some way. I feel great compassion for all who have suffered. He goes on, at the same time, Wendy, that's his wife, and I have learned so much. Even through clouds of sorrow, we have found some silver linings. Many families have re-enthroned their homes as sanctuaries of faith. Many better understand how important the family is and that it really is ordained of God with an eternal destiny. We've also learned fear, isolation, and loss can be mitigated by immersing oneself in caring for other people. Countless healthcare professionals have risked their own lives to care for others. Farmers, pharmacists, truckers, grocers, and others have risked their own health to serve the urgent need of others. Dear friends, he says, the road ahead may be bumpy, but our destination is serene and secure. So fasten your seatbelt, hang on through the bumps, and do what's right. Your reward will be eternal. In 1831, the Lord made a promise to his saints, and that promise still applies today. And this is how we'll close this out, and then we'll talk with uh, those other folks. It says, Wherefore, be of good cheer, and do not fear, for I, the Lord, am with you, and will stand by you, and ye shall bear record of me, even Jesus Christ, that I am the Son of the living God, that I was, that I am, and that I am to come. Pretty cool. And here, awesome to hear him speak that directly to it. McKenna, did you have a good time? I absolutely did. This was a blast. Would you do it again? Uh, yeah, totally. Okay, okay then I'm going to make you do it again. I take <laughs> I take away everyone's agency. I just make you do it. So you don't actually have a choice. <laughs> hey, well, you know, that, that makes it easier for me. Yeah, see? Yeah, see, everyone always is like, Satan's plan is so terrible. But, I mean, <laughs> it's a little easier, right? You don't have to think if someone's just telling you what to do all the time. Exactly. I mean, there's some there's some parts that are missing to that. I'm just it's a working theory. I haven't yeah. I have. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. Uh, it's not yet. fine. Not yeah. yet. Uh, if you want to give those sweet words of encouragement to McKenna, reach out to us on social media and let her know that she did a good job. We uh, like I said, I don't know if the email is working. I don't know what that I don't know what the deal with that is. Don't do that for a little bit. Everybody uh, reach out to us on social media. It's at the cultural hall in all places. Honored to be able to talk to Hannah Syriac, the author of the petition that has been uh, talked about in different respects and in different lights, depending on which social media you decide to engage in. Certainly on Twitter, you guys are getting uh, bashed a little bit more than you would maybe on Facebook or other places. Uh, this is an effort to bring BYU back to a more Christ-centered education. Hannah, thank you for taking a couple minutes. Thank you. Give me an idea. Why did you decide to start this thing? Sure. I have had a lot of classes at BYU where people didn't mention Jesus Christ or the gospel. And I've also had different classes where professors would say things that went directly against the church, not just in the sense that there were some cultural differences that they might have brought up or there were some fuzzy areas of the gospel that they disagreed with, but 
basic tenets of the church, and I also heard a bunch of other people have that same experience. So Tristan and I talked about it, and we decided, hey, might as well try to do something about it. And you mentioned the other author of the petition. Yeah, Tristan Warrior. So I have a question that's sort of two parts, right? The first one is, for people who don't know, I would assume most anyone listening to this knows BYU is a private uh, university that is owned by the church itself. Uh, When you talk about bringing the gospel or Jesus Christ or God into all classes, you're talking about you would like to see it more in things like your math class or, you know, your theater class. You feel like it should have a, a stronger and greater presence? Yeah, and I think the reason I think that is because we do have public universities, we do have other types of universities that have different warrants to education. There's no such thing as an unbiased education. And for me, what makes a Brigham Young University education different is this idea that it's supposed to help you in your quest for perfection and eternal life. So for, for me, I think that that's the type of education BYU brands itself as having. How how would you have them work? I mean, it, it makes sense, like in religion classes, right? It even makes sense in some English classes to to read literary works that, you know, may involve Christ or God or, or, or anything like that. But but in those harder classes, how how do you think that there should be a more of a discussion or an involvement of God or Christ or the gospel? I think one of the great things about LDS theology is we have this type of empiricism where we believe that by study, right, we can discover the truth of all things. So you can talk about in physics class how within the standard model of physics you need certain conditions in order for, say, if you want to take the Higgs boson theory, you need certain conditions in order for a Higgs boson to be able to give other particles mass, right? So you could talk about how those conditions come from eternal law, which comes from this idea that God can use eternal law to create different things. And then the the other part of what you said before is you talked about that there are some professors that you say have not only just sort of you know, skirted around maybe church things, but have actually said things against the church or against at least its doctrine. Uh, in the article that I read, I know that you were talking about pro-life. Are there other instances of professors or of the university sort of either taking a neutral road on things or even an against uh, the church kind of thing? Sure, yeah, there are definitely other issues. Um, I would say that the biggest one tends to be on the family proclamation. That's been one that I would say a lot of professors have said is completely wrong. Um, we have a bunch of different statements submitted to us, even before we made the t- petition, but a- especially after we made the petition, where professors said that the church was wrong about that, and if you didn't get on board with changing that, then you were wrong. Hmm. to believe the church on that. So uh, we're not really concerned about the neutral stances because you can have all sorts of opinions and we don't really care, but it's more what you say publicly in classes that you feel like is an area of concern on impressionable young students. It's an interesting thing because certainly academia, right, whenever we're in the university setting, there will always be those that uh, tend to be, I guess, more liberal and also those that tend to be more conservative. and, And that just seems to be a part of of higher education, but you're saying it it shouldn't be so much. I'm not necessarily saying it in terms of liberal and conservative. I think you can be liberal and be a great member of the church and be a great member of the Jewish community or conservative and vice versa. But what I am saying is that I think within BYU, we since we're funded by the church, we should use Christian morality standards as kind of a warrant for our education as opposed to opposing the church. And I'm not saying that if you disagree, with the church that makes you a bad church member or a bad member of the BYU community. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying, as professors in position of power, 
who can influence students. I don't think it's necessarily smart or productive to say that the church is wrong in your classes to students who are trying to have their faith strengthened as opposed to weekend. So going back to the first point, um, sometimes I know uh, from being an employee of, of BYU, I know that they there is a, an effort to try and recruit those professors who also aren't members of the church. It would be weird for a non-member of the church to, first of all, know a considerable amount of doctrine, but then to be able to integrate it within like a science or a mathematics class. Do you think that that is maybe where some of that has gone away? Sure, I can definitely see that point, and I think that's a good perspective to bring up. I do think a professor who is not a member would be capable of facilitating a discussion or asking students to consider how the doctrine could connect to what they're talking about, even if they're unfamiliar with the doctrine. And I would always be fine with that, too. And when we talk about a petition, we always talk about, like, oh, and these are our demands, and make sure we do this. So what's the point? You've, you've written a, a petition. What are you hoping to see on the other end? We just want a dialogue. That's why we kept it kind of vague. We wanted to have the BYU community get together and talk about what we agree on, what we disagree on, and how we can, I don't know, to not be at odds with the church so much, I feel like. So we don't want to demand things so much as we want to create conversation about what's happening on BYU campus what's happening with BYU professors, and we just wanted to raise some concerns and have a conversation with everyone about it, and not have it be so divisive. What do most of your critics of you say? What are they pushing back against you on? Honestly, most of them are ad hominem attacks. The more specific criticisms have been that this is a university, and therefore you should teach everything, and therefore you should not have a particular perspective in mind. Yeah, those are those are the major criticisms. But I I just say that we don't say that you shouldn't teach everything. We believe you should teach everything. Just that we should identify the warrants under which we teach. Now I know that uh, BYU as a university keeps pretty close tabs on any time that anything hits the media and it involves BYU. What have you heard from administration? We haven't heard anything from administration yet, but we're working to set up meetings with members of administration and hoping to have a, a dialogue with not only yourself but students who may feel differently than you, and then meet yeah. with the administration. Yeah, definitely. We want to have a dialogue with everyone. We're open to hearing everyone's perspective and hope to come to a greater understanding of each other and maybe see some more positive change in the university. If people wanted to sign your petition or read the actual verbiage, we'll leave a note in the show notes for this episode, but. Tell people where they can go. They can go to change.org, and it's called Emphasizing Christ-Centered Education at Brigham Young University. Hannah Syriac, thanks for taking a couple minutes. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the third block of the Cultural Hall, we're joined by our old friend Kurt Frankham. It's not Curtis. It's simply just Kurt. It's not Kurtland. It's simply just Kurt. Although, speaking of, Kurt... And I'm not old, Richie. I mean, you are an old friend of mine. I know, I know. You know, I was thinking about, I don't want to digress too much because it always happens that we go way too long when we <laughs> That's chat. That's what we do, Richie. It, it's just a couple of guys who uh, who do shows available in podcast form just chitty-chatting. 
Kurt, obviously from Leading Saints. I'm going to get to where we talk about the Kimura tours, which both of us are going on with our respective mm-hmm. audiences. But I think I remember uh, going to some event that you hosted at Salt Lake Community College like five, six, or seven years ago. Is that how long we've been friends? Yeah, I think that was our first in-person interaction. And mm-hmm. uh, and since then, our friendship has blossomed. Well, I didn't like you much at first, if we can be honest. Oh, I, yeah, ge- I genuinely that. thought you were trying to, like in that sweet way that we do here in the sa- in the state of Utah, I straight up thought you were trying to sell me something and get me in a downline. I'm not kidding. And then when we met, I was like, okay, he's sincerely trying to get me into whatever his downline is. And then I sort of heard the pitch about what Leading Saints is and what you guys do. And then I was like, oh, no, he's just a genuinely good guy who wants to make the church and leadership more available to everyone. And so it, I, I'm a hard sell, but I appreciate that we got there. Hey, I, I think I do have a downline somewhere. I believe I inherited my wife's grandmother's Young Living downline. So if you're into essential oils, yes, uh, yeah, we get a box every month because we don't have to pay for it. Do it just you really? shows up. <laughs> so hey, Richie, if riches are for you, yes, you gotta, yes, you got five friends. Yes, they are. I don't have five friends. Am I still Ooh. a value to you? Ooh, probably I've, not. Moving I've got, on. I've got you. <laughs> Can we work each other back and forth into the downline? Kamoratours.com com is uh, where people can go if they want to find out about this big church history tour. It's coming up next year. I know seats are filling. It's going to be eight, nine days, I want to say, of us nine trekking days. across the church historic sites. I believe we hit the uh, the sweet place of Independence as well as uh, Kirtland. We do the Sacred Grove where everybody's notching their names on the trees like horrible people. <laughs> <laughs> That's you, a thing, huh? Have you I've seen that? No, it's no, it's been. seriously destroying the Sacred Grove because members of the church oh, in go the there. Grove. Yeah, people, members of the church in the Sacred Grove want to etch their names in the trees like jerks. It's Don't unreal. Etch the names. No, it's really unreal. All those things you can go to KamoraTours.com and you can uh, you can get in on that. My parents coming. Your parents coming. My wife will be coming. Your wife will be coming. Will you bring that new baby of yours? Uh, it, it depends. I mean, she'll be uh, more than a year old at that point, so okay. maybe, maybe right. we can leave her behind at that yes, point. Yes, please. Is that ru- is that rude of me to say? <laughs> because you hate babies on planes. Oh Imagine my gosh, babies, babies on buses. Oh, <laughs> the worst. Save everyone. I mean, listen, she's great. She's adorable, Richie. She's great. She's adorable. No, she's great. She's great. I love her. Don't <laughs> she's bring a her. Child. On, don't bring her on the bus. <laughs> Okay. We'll in, put her in the car. Go in hold. a really obscure reference, you don't want something terrible to happen to us, right? <laughs> well, this turned dark. Yeah, real fast. you've seen the last episode of Mash. I would hate for something to happen. <laughs> I have seen the last episode of Mash. What are you talking Listen, about? Listen, it's fine. A lot of people are thinking I'm a horrible person right now. I'm just joking. Kurt and I are friends. Kurt, don't look up what happens to the baby at the last episode of Mash. Uh, Kurt's here because. <laughs> There was some significant changes, according to LDS Living, significant changes. Yeah, they rolled out that word. To the uh, church handbook. And whenever there's something that comes out from the mainstream church, uh, something that I'm supposed to read and be able to filter down, I don't like to read. So I invite Kurt to do it, and then we chat about it. So let, let's do it. I've done my homework, Richie, and I have some—and you say significant. I'm, what I'm saying is that there's been, on July 31st, 2020, there were changes to 15 chapters— in the general handbook, some large, some minor, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, uh, a lot of changes going on. And we're going to talk about all sorts of things. And, and and the changes, to be clear, are not finished. There oh, no. are still more changes to come. Yeah, um, I think they were like, they're doing it in phases, right? They yep. don't want to just 
uh, write a handbook that then by the time it gets released, they have to change it again anyway. So they're phasing it out. And with these modern technologies, they can do an update and boom, it's on our app there for reference. And uh, and for people to get upset up, upset over all over the yeah. internet as soon as those changes are made. That's I'll right. take, I'll go with you wherever you want to go. I've got some notes as well, but I'll, I'll well, follow our, you. Our Jeopardy categories today are going to be birth control, donating or selling sperm or eggs, fertility treatment, the occult, sex education, and suicide. Oh, uh, the occult. Uh, to... The occult. Let's go to the occult. <laughs> well, that's for not 200. the order of my, that my notes are in, Richard. <laughs> oh, what we're right. going to start with is the, uh, this is stuff that is, is exciting, but maybe on the lower level. Do you know what a coordinating council is, Richie? I, uh, it's a council, uh, a group of people. They get mm-hmm. together and they, they, I mean, some would say they collaborate. I prefer to say they coordinate things. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. coordinating council is when, so we have stakes and then a bunch of stakes make up a coordinating council. Okay. And every, what is it, quarter or something, all the stake presidents on a coordinating council will get together with their Area 70 mm-hmm. and have a council meeting about things. And typically that Area 70 is passing down information from Salt Lake and so forth. So now uh, they've made an adjustment that that you may invite stake relief society presidents and other stake officers to attend these meetings as needed. So this is good to bring in uh, multiple perspectives, especially the the female perspective. To Absolutely, a I'll take that. That's great news. Yeah, sounds like uh, more meetings, but I'll take it. That's right. Yeah, you love your meetings for sure. So uh, chapter eight is all about elders quorum, and uh, they're. There's obviously a move to remove things from the plate of a bishop and spread it out, spread out the love and responsibilities a little bit more. So elders, quorum, and Larissa Society presidencies are responsible for day-to-day missionary work and temple and family history work in the ward. And that, I think they're just sort of formalizing it more in the handbooks. I think that's been, that shift has been well aware, but this was interesting. The option to call a service coordinator or an activity coordinator have been added. So I think this is in the past, they're, you know, activities, what, what do they call those? The activities committee and things, that sort of. Yeah, there, so was, now, there was the activities committee and then there was not the activities committee right. anymore. We we will not be doing that. Right. But now under the, the chapter of Elders Quorum uh, and Relief Society, you can have an activities coordinator. So maybe they can coordinate some of those ward efforts. And um, also it should be noted that food orders can now be done by not only the Relief Society president, but also the Elders Quorum president to help the bishop uh, work with some of those welfare needs as well. That's great. So in the past, just so I know, it's typically been the Relief Society president and the bishop? Right. Okay. Yeah, cool. the bishop, the Relief Society president will help them fill it out, and then the bishop signs it and okay. then sends it so in. So does the bishop still have to sign it? I believe so. Now it's all done online since back in the day when I was bishop. Yeah. Uh, we did it on a Which form. time, Kurt? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I can't I can't remember. <laughs> Anyways. It's been so. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yes. It, so interesting. Yeah, but though. now so, it's online. So, so now the bishop it sort of would... populates in like an email or something like that. Like, boom. And then you can click and be like, sign, done. Yeah. Cool. I, yeah, pretty much. Welcome so, to the 21st nice century, I, church. It's become sometimes a headache for the recited president to track down the bishop, especially sure. in, in these troubling times. Um, now more than ever. Now more than ever. Uh, the calling of compassionate service leader has been changed. It is now named service coordinator. I mean, no longer I, I just love the church and their names. They're just, <laughs> I don't know what committee puts these together, but you're so creative. Service coordinator will also be added to the elders quorum Good. chapter. Good. So there's not just a compassionate service committee or service coordinator in Relief Society, but there's going to be one in Elders Quorum as well. It's so. interesting. Uh, we, we when I was in the Elders Quorum, 
uh, presidency, we actually called a service coordinator and then collaborated with the Compassionate Service Director from the Relief Society because we're like, this is nonsense. Why don't we have one for each side? You're ahead of Let's your time, Richard. Yeah, ahead, ahead of, of my time. time. <laughs> I don't know. Remember when they had, uh, what do they call Relief Society? Um, comp- uh, what was the activities that they did? Uh, 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 enrichment. enrichment. They had enrichment, yeah. right? Yeah. And then they changed it to additional relief society meetings i mean yes. nothing is more appealing than going to an additional relief society meeting they've now changed that to relief society activities so yes that's they pretty just went with the obvious name pretty on the nose <laughs> yes um there's a clarification just a minor thing which i think was already being done anyways the stake president calls the stake relief society president and does not delegate that responsibility to his cha- his counselors hmm. Now, about callings, and maybe this is jumping around a little bit, but I saw that there's no longer a ward librarian. Yes, we've done away with, well, there's, uh, they just changed the name. A lot of this is just changing names. So the ward librarian is now, get ready for this. The war, This is something you could put on a resume, Richie. Uh, listen, I'm in. Ward Resource Center Specialist. <sighs> so it's no longer a ward library. It's a, it's a resource center. Listen, yeah. That makes sense to me. You know why? Because we don't have we don't have books in there anymore. If you have books, you're somewhere in the mission field where it's books and tapes that you can watch film strips, and it goes, bong, right. and then you flip the fil- <laughs> the film strip and go along. You remember those? Oh yes, they've now turned sort of into museums where the youth go in there and be like, "Whoa, what is this? Is this paper? <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> what's this stereo thing?" Yeah. So that's good. I've been leading the effort against ward librarians or materials center. I just think they're kind of silly how we sort of protect them like they're Fort Knox. And it's like, Listen. just put out some chalk eraser. And if we lose one or if somebody steals it, so be it. We got a budget. Oh, Kurt, 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 Kurt. You willy nilly in your leadership style. But do we not learn that it's about the one? So if there is one piece of chalk that is missing, <laughs> we do not lock down the chapel you know, until Richie, we find that that chapel. it matters it mattered to that one yep right throw that starfish into the ocean awesome um so a few adjustments to teacher council meetings make it easier for primary teachers and also parents are encouraged because now that there's such a focus of in-home teaching mm-hmm. uh, parents are invited to attend teacher council meetings oh cool if, if you're someone like yourself who enjoys another meeting yes so give me more um, meetings please that's right I'm trying to see the other one. I'll probably uh, come across it in another part of my notes here, but they are reinvigorating the gospel principles class. It's not going to be called gospel principles, but mm-hmm. you now have the option for younger, what, how would we say this, new, new members of the church or in, those investigating the church. I know we're not supposed to say they're investigating, whatever we, we say. Looking into those it. Learning more about Checking it out. Yeah. They, they, you can create a Sunday school class based on the Come Follow Me curriculum for that as well. That can, al- that can also apply to those that are, maybe if they've been away from church for a while, returning members. And and, exactly. and, and specifically, yeah. like if you have a particular group that you feel like would need to be coordinated within that class, they can make a, a specific Come Follow Me directed Sunday school class for any of those groups. I thought that was unique. Yep, for sure. So uh, this is sort of a random one, one that I, makes me wonder, was that in the handbook before? So unwed parents under the age of 18. So a policy has been added on unwed, unwed parents under age 18. Unwed young men who will become fathers may participate in their Aaronic priesthood quorum or elders quorum. Unwed young women who will become mothers may participate in young women or relief society. These decisions are left to the prayerful discretion of the young man and young woman, their parents and their bishops. That's maybe a dynamic I just hadn't considered. Yeah. You know, if maybe a teenager becomes pregnant, you know, how to 
make sure that she's still with her friends or enjoying that uh, that camaraderie. That's cool. Okay. All right. We're jumping into birth control here, Richie. All right. We're getting into the heavies. So the church continues to discourage to discourage surgical sterilization as an elective form of birth control. What I've found here is nothing's really changed in some of these positions, but they have added. So it says, because bearing children is a privilege of married couples who are able, husbands and wives are encouraged to counsel together in unity and seek the confirmation of the spirit when considering permanent birth control procedures. So what I'm finding is a lot of these, they like have the same policy, but they say, but at the end of the day, you should just preferably make a decision and go for it. You know, I want to ask you this, though, as a bishop, did you have many people that are like, hey, we've discussed this. What do you think as far as like birth control and, and those kind of things? And, and if it's disclosing or whatever, then no, no, don't no, tell no. me because I don't, I don't, think I don't got... need your damnation on my head. But I am curious how many people are like, we don't know what to do. What do you think, Bishop, as far as like fertility and those kind of things? <laughs> yeah, I would just crawl onto my desk yeah. and wait till they leave. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think I got anything around birth control. But as far as, you know, they have this section here about donating and and selling sperm or eggs. I had one sister who she was uh, not the typical age of a widow. She was younger and mm-hmm. her husband got cancer and died. And they had always planned to have more children. And they approached me about what the possibility of would be to uh, saving some of his sperm and so that they could continue their family. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure how to respond. I think generally that's discouraged. So Right. But 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 isn't it also too? I mean, as much as it's in the handbook and this is doctrine, according to me, isn't there a lot of this where it's like, yeah, but I mean, it's kind of your own thing. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think, you know, I would have been knocking on the door and being like in my office, you know, we've what? How dare you? Where did this child come from? Yeah. So the policy on sperm donations had been revised to include the donation of eggs. The church discourages donation, donating sperm or eggs, but leaves decisions to the judgment and prayerful consideration of the potential donor. And this is probably more for people like, because you can be paid for donating eggs and sperm. And I think that that's probably Yeah, that was the next line. The church also discourages selling sperm and eggs. um, There's further clarification on like fertility treatments for, for church members. So the church continues to discourage the use of such technologies uh, with the, the sperm from anyone but the husband or the egg from anyone but the wife. So hmm. typically if it's between, you know, the husband and wife. Yeah, roll with it. So the occult. All right. Yay. <laughs> I love the occult as far so as, this a, is as a topic point. Th- this section on the occult says this includes, but is not limited to Satan worship. So I guess we you can't do that, Richie. I don't know if you're aware. All right. Uh, fortune we- telling, curses, and healing practices that are imitations of priesthood power. Yeah. Have you seen such things, Richard? Well, I mean, it depends on on what you talk about. I went down a rabbit hole the other day <laughs> about healing practices and what that may mean and, and you know, when people sort of lump into those things like healing with crystals or reiki or, you know, some of some of those other type of practices. I'm not going to speculate cuz I don't need the heat, but I read <laughs> lots of different yeah. reactions to that particular part of that paragraph. No, and I think that last part, you know, just anything that imitates or let's see, what does it say? Uh, imitation of priesthood power. Like I, this is like a coming trend for some, like it, it's becoming more and more popular. These various things that we've brilliantly avoided saying specifically what they are. Yeah. Because I find it more and more, even within members of the church, where I'm like, Ooh, I don't know if uh, that's legit, but mm-hmm. okay. Like, so. The the crummy thing about this is is that without them being very specific as they are with like 
what we're going to call the compassionate service person. Like if they aren't specific, what some people will read, they'll go, yeah, I'm fine. And what other leaders will read is, you know what they're telling me, you know what they're referencing. They don't say it specifically, but what they mean is, and so that's when we get the uh, situations like the bishop roulette or the, you know, interpretation roulette. Yep. Yep. You'd be dangerous for sure. Uh, There's a paragraph mentioning sex education. This section on sex education encourages parents to have honest, clear, and ongoing conversations with their children about righteous sexuality. Good to see that encouragement there. Surrogate motherhood. Um, This section now includes a longstanding policy that children born to a surrogate mother can be sealed to parents in a temple only with first pregnancy approval. Interesting. So Surrogate motherhood's generally been discouraged in our faith. Interesting. But but it sounds like I mean we're genuinely generally discouraged, but eh, maybe yeah right yeah I don't think again it goes back to that you know the line they keep using that hey if you do pray about it and it's something that but uh, if there's a ceiling that's going to take place uh, there's going to be a letter to the first princey that needs to be sent in by their priesthood leader and then uh, they've added uh, information about medical marijuana just nothing new there just. Uh, reaffirming what we've seen in their Which public, is, yes, uh, for, for in doses and by a doctor. Good for That's you. Right. Otherwise, nope. That's right. So that rounds it up pretty well there, Richie. That's uh, it? I think we've, well, I mean, uh, that's it for the most part. I mean, Did I miss anything? The conditions in which uh, at least buildings may be dedicated for worship. <laughs> we talked about the physical <laughs> facilities because if you're, if you're meeting in a school... Uh, chapter 35, if you're meeting in a school, can you dedicate said school? Well, you got to look in section 35.4.3 to find out if you can dedicate that school as a place That's true. Worship. I did skip over some things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the chart of callings. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who doesn't have that up in their bedroom? Yeah. yeah. Just for quick reference. Right. The chart of calling. Oh, you did cue this up and maybe, I mean, maybe it's a little bit, uh, I don't know, and of a... Odd choice to end it, but you did queue up suicide. What is the the new addition to suicide? The section on suicide encourages greater sensitivity in ministering to those who are considering suicide. Many have thought about suicide. Many who have thought about suicide are seeking relief from physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual pain. They need love, help, and support from family, church leaders, and qualified professionals. So I think you know, just reiterating that you know this isn't something that they should be reminded of eternal damnation if they do follow through these things. No, this person is screaming for help and uh, they need love and, and encouragement for that help. One of the one of the things that I liked along with this, and maybe it is sort of a, a sweet way to end it, is it says that only God is able to judge the person's thoughts, actions, and level of accountability, which runs right in the face of something that whether it was doctrinal, which it wasn't, but culturally doctrinal, where we talked about, you know, if someone kills themselves, the greatest uh, kingdom that they can receive is the telestial kingdom because they ended their own life. Not helpful. Yeah. First of all, not helpful. Second of all, not, not true. true. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, there's the changes. Whenever there's something that occurs within the church that there's a big, long email and lots of people get upset, Kurt reads it so I don't have to. And then we have him here in the cultural hall. Tell people where they can get more Kurt Frankum. Well, not, not that gonna they go. want it, to be clear, <laughs> just where they can or really where they can avoid. Right. Okay. All right. So Leading Saints is the uh, podcast that you all should be listening to. You can find it by going to whatever app you're listening to this podcast on and go to the search bar, type in Leading Saints. 
listen in and it's good conversation. I know Richie listens. I'm faithfully. I, yeah, I mean, listen, I uh, I will always send Kurt night or day what I think of the episodes that he does. He did. Yeah, and I and I return the favor. So, <laughs> uh, but we're also working on you know we do these virtual summits, which are virtual conferences you can watch from anywhere in the world. And it's in September. We're releasing LGBT Saints Virtual Summit, where we're going to talk about how leaders or any Latter Day Saint can better minister to those uh, LGBTQ Latter Day Saints. So look for that. I noticed that you noticed that I wasn't paying attention. I was trying to look up as to what episode I was of Leading Saints so that I could point people toward that. Um, But if you guys get a chance, you can find that. It was in the very first month of 2020, which seems like 10 years ago. Uh, It's called Never Giving Up on the Lord, Even When You Want to, an interview with Richie T. Stedman. And you can find that at Leading Saints. The goody. Kurt, let's make that the top episode of Leading Saints ever. Because then I, right. I think it's, you promised me dinner. Way. I think you promised me dinner if I can beat the, the number one. Yeah, I'll promise you more than that. So. Okay. All right. Well, we hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week. Do you know the next one, Kurt? And if you love <laughs> your And then neighbor. when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, we'll be saving a seat for you. On the cultural hall. No, on the back row, Kurt. You're ah. fired of the ah. cultural hall. Save me a seat. It's sure to be neat on the back.